Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Saturday, January 2nd, 2021. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 on a Saturday. I guess it's justified we do a weekend podcast given what's gone on. Holy cow. I am joined now by Matt Baxendale. I will be joined shortly after that by Dave Biddle as we bask in the glory of Ohio State's 49-28 win over Clemson. It wasn't even that close. Backs, not bad for the number 11 team in the country. You know, motivation is a hell of a thing when everybody on the field is in their early 20s and late teens. Uh, Dabo Swinney is going to catch more than his share of criticism because this was an unforced error. You know, you, you hear that term unforced error all the time. All Dabo had to do was rank the Buckeyes third, and nobody would have said a word about it. But because he had to be this smarmy, arrogant, southern 80s pro wrestling heel of a coach, he had to go out and rank the Buckeyes 11. And by the way, every single Ohio State player after the game was mentioning not bad for the 11th ranked team. Hey, I guess Clemson doesn't. Is this the first time they've lost to a team outside of the top 10 in a couple of years? You know, jokes like that, right? This was 100 percent Ohio State's Florida. And by that, I mean. We were on the other side of the coin being the disrespected underdog to a team that everybody thought was going to mop the floor with us when in reality the talent level was equal, if not maybe better in our favor. So, yeah, motivation matters. And I think it got into Clemson's head that they were expecting to come out and deck us too. Well, Ohio State flat out played angry. Ohio State didn't need any more motivation after last year's semifinal game where, let's face it, they were the better team and didn't win. And – Davo just poured, he just poured napalm on the fire was all he did with that vote. So, uh, yeah, this is one I think is one of the most satisfying wins that we are ever going to have as Buckeye fans. So this is a pretty good time to bask in it before you turn your eyes to what comes next. Yeah, when they beat Alabama in the semis in the Zeke game, that was satisfying from a program perspective, just beating Alabama and really kind of announcing the Urban Meyer era as legit. This one was like a high school game against a team across town that you just wanted to kick their ass. It's so interesting to me that it felt like a reverse of last year's game and that Ohio State was so crisp from the very start. You had the penalty on Skalski, which reminded me of the Sean Wade penalty. They also got a couple calls when it could have gone the other way. When did you know? Yes, you picked Ohio State to win. I did as well. Some of it was, you know, wishful thinking. We hadn't seen anything like that this year. When in the game did you know? The stop when Ohio State was on defense up 28-14. Everybody who I was around, I put it on Twitter. I said, this is the biggest defensive series of the year because if Ohio State goes up uh, by another score before half, it's essentially over. And Ohio State got the stop on uh, defense there to get the ball back. And the second that they got the ball back, I just knew they were going to score. They went down, made it 35-14 before half. Right there, that is the game. Because if Clemson gets a first down, Clemson scores there. It's a one-touchdown game going into half. We've got an exciting football game, right? Ohio State, when they made that stop and then turned it into points before half to me, of course we were nervous. Of course, you know, I was sitting there on pins and needles up three touchdowns because that's just how it is. But the moment to me that Ohio State won that game was they made that stop and turned it into a touchdown before half. That was the critical moment in the football game to me, bar none. And that's just – that's going to stand out to me for a very long time because 
the defense did its job, right? We've talked all year about how this offense is really good. As long as Fields doesn't get greedy, this offense is really good. The defense stepping up like they did, to be honest, is a really great indicator for the next opportunity in front of them. But that stop to me is the biggest series offensively or defensively of the year so far. Here's what I knew for a fact they were going to have the game one. I don't even remember what the score was, but Clemson was going to go for it on a fourth down and one of their offensive linemen jumped when it was announced it was Matt Bockhorst and he was from Cincinnati, I knew they were going to win. It just kind of felt like it was meant to be. Give out some kudos. There's plenty to go around, be it coaches, be it players, be it obvious, be it subtle. Well, I think Ryan Day's game plan is the first thing I want to talk about. That third touchdown that Ohio State scored where Fields rolled to his left, stopped and threw back the other way to Jeremy Ruckert is one of the most beautifully designed plays you'll ever see in football. And Ryan Day flat out, like you you could tell there was a plan in place to deny Brent Venables the ability to read what the offense was doing. There was no sign stealing because they broke the huddle and snapped quickly. You know, so Clemson was running around like a chicken with their head cut off before the snap. And that was before Skowski got ejected. It got even worse after that. And for all the hype about Nolan Turner coming back in the game and making a difference, he didn't make a damn difference once he got back in the game. Ohio State out-schemed. And Ohio State outplanned Clemson. Now, the flip side of that is, is that Ohio State won the game in the trenches. Ohio State's offensive line absolutely punched Clemson in the mouth. And honestly, Matt Jones played so well that I don't know if you can justify putting Harry Miller back in for the championship game. Uh, that offensive line played excellent. And that was the other thing. You know, you talk about when you know you win the game. You could tell early on Ohio State was winning the battles in the trenches, right? Clemson was scoring using the, like, you know, nitpicky to the outside techniques. The, a couple times that they tried running the ball up the middle or doing anything between the tackles, Ohio State decked them. So I think you have to give so much credit to Ohio State in the trenches as well. But between the game plan and the fact that the big hog mollies won for Ohio State for the vast majority of the game, you know, we can talk about Justin Fields' toughness. We will talk about his toughness in this game and how well he played for time immemorial. But we can't forget how well-planned this game was and how awesome the big guys were for Ohio State. That was such a difference maker. When you can line up and run the football for 8 to 10 yards, when the other team knows you're going to run it, that's a very good sign. I'll say this. I've been following sports a long time, and I am a straight-up nerd. I have never seen a player start the season the way Trey Sermon has and play this well at this point. How do you explain someone going from being literally an afterthought and a guy I thought maybe was like, I felt bad for him at one point this year because he looked like he was laboring, to a guy who looked like he could have won someone's fantasy game for him on Sundays? How do you explain this? I can't. But what I can say is that he is extraordinarily reminiscent right now uh, with these last two games, which are the two highest rush yards over a two-game period in OSU history. But he's extraordinarily reminiscent right now of the legendary three-game run Zeke Elliott went on to close out the year where Ohio State won the national championship. And it was the same thing, where major performance in the Big Ten championship, dominating performance in the semifinal game, and then Zeke ran wild on Oregon for the championship. Sermon looks like that right now. And it helps when you have an O-line that I think that's part of it here. It's, it's a confluence of the O-line playing at a really high level, finally getting some consistency to their 
preparation after everything that went on all year. Uh, it's the opportunity of the other guy who can run the ball significantly in the eyes of the coaches and Master Teague not being available. And it's just the fact, I think, that Sermon just – he got an opportunity, he was ready to go, and his credit, he's taking full advantage of it. But he looks like an absolute beast right now up there. There was one or two runs where he was literally paddling himself forward with his left hand while keeping his feet moving. Like, that level of effort is exceptional. And it was wearing Clemson down quickly. He is – what do you have, 254 total yards between the passing game and the running game last night? I think it was like 193 of those were on the ground. Trey Sermon right now is a weapon. And if you watch that Notre Dame-Alabama game, you can run the ball on Alabama. Alabama was having trouble with Kyron Williams that whole game. So I have to say right now, you can talk all you want about whether Justin Fields will be okay to go. Ohio State, when you have the dominant running game, you give yourselves opportunities, man. And Ohio State has looked awesome on the ground the last two games. If they come out like that next time through, it's going to be real interesting. But this is uh, this is super, super reminiscent of how Zeke closed out that 2014 championship year. Let's see if Sermon has the, the, the third leg of the triple crown in him. There's so much good stuff to go around. One we have to mention, uh, apparently Chris Olave makes a difference. Clearly, Justin Fields is more comfortable with him in the game. We do need to give a ton of credit to the defensive line. Tyreek Smith over the last two to three weeks has looked like the guy everyone was been waiting for for so many years. The duo inside of Tommy Togiai and Haskell Garrett has been fantastic. Jonathan Cooper has had a beautiful surge at the end of the year here. Those guys dominated as well. Take your pick. Well, and we have to throw in Teron Vincent, too, who got on the field a fair amount and played pretty well, too. Um, I honestly was impressed seeing some of the push they got from him when he was on there, so in general, like everybody who came on the field on that D-line, you can't really say anything badly about. I mean, let's face it, the Samoan connection inside was, again, the best defensive tackle tandem in the country. And in a game where Tyler Friday and Zach Harrison were out, you knew that the depth was going to be tested from these guys. And Tyreek Smith and Jonathan Cooper played the majority of the sacks, or majority of the uh, snaps on a defensive end, right? And it was one of those games where you just – you, you, you watched them every play, and even when they didn't get to the quarterback, it felt like they were right there. Like, Cooper getting there late wasn't a surprise because he was almost there the whole game. It's just, honestly, like, the whole defense, like, uh, you, you, can, you can point out how Sean Wade struggled, and Clemson picked on him for most of the game. But it's even the whole defense, I thought you saw people playing overall really well. Marcus Williamson had a strong game. Uh, that's something we haven't said this year yet. Seven banks after that first drive where he didn't turn around to defend the ball, played well. Uh, you, you had a lot of Lathan Ransom on the field, and he acquitted himself very well. The linebackers were great. I don't know how you can take Justin Hilliard off the field at all. Heck, they were bringing Baron Browning in kind of like a 3-4 outside rushbacker uh, with, with the defensive end depth being tested to just try to take advantage of the fact that Browning is best when he's attacking at the quarterback. Really, outside of Sean Wade's not-so-good, kind of bad performance, the whole defense showed very well yesterday. And, you know, this is, a, this, is, this is the kind of game that, man, you see this performance and it makes you really start to think about what could happen on, uh, what, 10 days from now, whenever the championship game comes. This was the best effort of the year from the defense. And, by the way, 
Travis Etienne did next to nothing in this game. And Clemson was actively trying to get the ball to him for most of the first half. And you could see them getting worn down and beat up. And Ohio State, to their credit, after they punched so hard last year and the punch wasn't strong enough, they staggered their opponent, but he got back up and eventually hit the blows to, to win on points. Ohio State knocked them out this year. They didn't let the guy get back up. And that, a lot of that credit goes to the defense getting all those stops. What was it, a 28 nothing run, 42-7 to close the game? There's as much credit to the defense as there is to the offense in a situation like that. We're going to have plenty of time to get into Devontae Smith and what Sean Wade and our secondary will do with him in Alabama. That is going to be challenging. Let's finish with this. Ohio State, Alabama, it's seven or seven and a half points, depending on where you look. What is your vibe? Well, we're going to have another 10 days of how Ohio State's going to get decked and they, they, oh, they won't be able to get back up again after that Clemson game. That's what they're going to talk about. And then they're going to talk about how great the SEC is, even though the SEC has been abjectly and objectively bad in bowl games this year. Like, Notre Dame is not in the same ballpark as Ohio State and Clemson. Uh, those are the big three are Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State right now in college football. They're the hyper-elite trio. They're, Notre Dame is not in that group. And if you look what the SEC's done so far in bowl games, where Georgia should have lost to Cincinnati, uh, Luke's got something to learn. This is why you, you don't start as a head coach at Ohio State usually. You got a little bit to learn about the clock management at the end of the game. Otherwise, Luke would have knocked off Georgia. And, you know, Auburn got decked by Northwestern, who, hey, I guess they turns out they're pretty good too. I'm excited to see what the Indiana can do to Ole Miss today because I think they're going to come out angry and play well and win. So the SEC in bowls so far hasn't looked great. The Big Ten in bowl games hasn't lost yet. And we're going to have a lot of the same stuff that people talked about. It's going to be Ohio State probably can't compete with mighty, awesome, super-duper amazing Alabama. And that's fine. Talk trash on OSU all you want. Because every time you put Ohio State in one of these scenarios where they're the decided underdog, where Miami's going to beat them, Miami's going to deck them, where Clemson's going to destroy them. I mean, I had friends who don't pay a lot of attention to college football asking me if they should even stay up to watch the game because whether or not they thought it was going to be close. And I was like, yes, guys, this is not going to be a blowout. I don't know why people think it's, uh, it's going to be some blowout. Well, I was wrong. Ohio State blew Clemson out. They beat them the way they beat Rutgers. So let's, uh, let's see some more of that disrespect coming. It's not going to be from Nick Saban, though. Unlike, you know, yapping Dabo, Saban is smart enough to know that you don't just throw napalm on a fire. He calls it rat poison every time he hears people talking good about Alabama. He's well aware of it. But the rest of the people at ESPN and all the shills that are going to try to go out there for the SEC network are going to get it out there. And reality is everybody's going to be picking Alabama in this game. And that's what we want. Pick them away. Keep picking them. Because the last time Ohio State played Alabama, everybody thought Alabama was going to deck them too. And we all know how that game turned out. So that's what I'm anticipating right now. That is my vibe right now. And I will say this, Dan, uh, going into the games yesterday, I thought no matter who won Clemson or Ohio State, I thought Alabama was going to be the team to beat. But after Alabama underwhelmed against Notre Dame and after Ohio State absolutely dominated Clemson, I'm not so sure anymore. I'm looking forward to watching some more of these Alabama games to go back to get a little more of a handle on them. But I'm going to leave you with this. Clemson's pass defense coming into this game was ranked 25th in the country. Alabama's is ranked 77th. 
so I have to say there's some opportunities for Ohio State to put up a lot of points in this game. He is the people's champ. We appreciate him taking time out of a glorious Saturday morning. Have a good one, Bax. All right, see ya. If you can see, yeah. the numbers all go to 11. Look, right across the board. Oh. 11, oh, 11, and most of 11. And then amps go up to 10. Exactly. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Oh, put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. We are back. Could not be more thrilled to be joined by Dave Biddle on the other side of the mic today. Dave, it was a glorious night. Your thoughts? It was tremendous. It was, we're prisoners of the moment, but it was, you know, perhaps the most enjoyable win for Ohio State that I can remember. I mean, it's, um, and, you know, and I know as time goes on, we're going to say, you know, Alabama uh, exactly six years ago was right up there. Any national championship win, the 2002 national championship win over Miami, obviously 14 over Oregon. I mean, it's hard to put what happened last night over winning a national championship. I get that. But when you look at how Clemson has owned Ohio State and um, games have ended in disastrous fashion for the Buckeyes, you start obviously with Woody Hayes. His last game was against Clemson in the Gator Bowl. And you look at Braxton Miller never played quarterback again after getting hurt against Clemson in the Orange Bowl the 2013 season when Vic, Vic Beasley drove him into the turf. Um, and you look at a 31 nothing debacle. Um, but still, I think everybody kind of – even th- – Coming into this game, everybody kind of felt like that was still the same Ohio State team, even despite what happened last year. Last year, you had the heartbreaker where Ohio State felt like they were the better team. I thought they were the better team, and they still lost. So um, to win a playoff game is huge. To do it against Clemson is huge. When everybody's telling you you have no chance at winning, you're a seven-and-a-half-point underdog, Dabo's ranking them 11th. People are saying, not only do you not have a chance in this game, you don't belong. You don't just win. You blow the doors off Clemson. I mean, they blew the doors off of them. It's just, you know, I, I just, I can't wait to watch the game again. I felt, you know, for the listeners out there, you're going to kick out of this. I love watching the game a second time, big games like this, when there's no nerves. You can just sit back and just enjoy the game for what it is and finish my column. It was really late and you know, get a snack, start in the game. And I made it through not even the first half before I'm falling asleep at my desk. So made it through almost the, the first half of the rewatch. So when Dan and I are done recording this special podcast, I'm going to rewatch the rest of the game. And uh, like you said, Dan, it was a glorious night last night for the Buckeyes. Dave, you picked the Buckeyes in the Bucknuts roundtable. And I asked Bax the same question. When did you know last night? Oh, that's a good question. I was feeling, this is going to sound silly. I was feeling really, really good when it was 14 all like really good. Like what I, I was like, you got to check yourself here. The game's tied idiot. Um, I don't know why you feel like Ohio state's winning. It just felt to me at 14 all. And I'll answer your question in a minute. That's not when I felt like, okay, we got this. Um, but I was feeling really good at 14 all. It was a weird feeling probably because Clemson started the game so well and Ohio state didn't, um, which when you look back, it's funny that, you know, Ohio State, because, you know, the beginning of the game seems so important. You know, Ohio State uh, lets Clemson go down the field. Well, Clemson had a lot to do with it as well, score a touchdown, it seemed like in the blink of an eye. Then Ohio State goes three and out, and it's 7 nothing Clemson. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, no. And uh, um, so when it was 14-all, I, I was feeling really good. Then 
when they got up 21-14, the Buckeyes, I'm thinking, listen, if they can get up 28-14, to the game is not over, but it's going to be really hard for Clemson to come back. And I got 28-14, to and I'm thinking, look out here. And then I'm thinking, just let's, hopefully they can just go into halftime, leading by 14. Buckeyes are going to get the ball to start the second half. When Ohio State was able to get that extra touchdown to end the first half, I think, was the game over? Technically, no. I sure thought it was at 35-14 at halftime. I, I was, again, I, I thought I would have been thrilled at 28-14 at the time. For them to get that extra touchdown, make it 35-14, to cashing in touchdowns, not settling for field goals, I was over the moon, and I really felt like it was going to take a miracle at that point uh, for Clemson to come back and win the game. I was guilty of getting on ESPN and looking at the win probability, Dan. You know, it was like, like 97 point. 7% Ohio State or something like that. At one point early in the second half, it's like 99%. And I'm thinking, can you – this is just like the best thing in the world. We're looking at this. Ohio State has a 99% chance of winning this game. Sign me up for that. So, um, yeah, I would say probably when it was 28-14, to 14, I was starting to think, okay, we got this. It's going to take something crazy because it wasn't just the score. It was how it was looking, Dan. It, was, it wasn't like it was some fluke. It's like Ohio State's kicking their ass. Like it wasn't like it was like, uh, you know – we're hitting some lucky plays. That ball bounced off the dude's helmet, and then we got a lucky play here. Okay, we're going to be able to hang in here. No, 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 no. Both sides of the ball, Clemson getting their ass kicked is what was what we saw last night. Line of scrimmage, out in space, Buckeyes kicking ass. Yeah, that, that was really encouraging. And I remember last year thinking Clemson was a little bit shocked to start the game at just how physical Ohio State was. I also was able to get through the beginning um, watching our defense because – as you well know, most of the first few drives for an offense is scripted. Then you have to come off the script, obviously, and adjust. So my guess is Tony Elliott had a lot to do with the script. And then when they had to come off of it, he was nowhere to be found. So I thought that hurt them. We got to talk about Justin Fields. Many doubters popped up recently. Now there were some saying he wasn't even going to be the second quarterback picked in the draft. And then he goes out and has six touchdowns. I'm not even sure he had that many incompletions. Your thoughts on the effort by the quarterback? He was tremendous, and as you said, it's laughable that people, you know, and I think the kid from BYU is a good quarterback, but to see people like Todd McShay ranking the BYU quarterback over Justin Fields, I mean, I'm laughing. I was laughing out loud before the game looking at stuff like that. Um, yeah, how do you like me now? I can't wait to see what people say now. It's like, listen, first of all, Northwestern and Indiana are good defenses. That's what I think nobody outside of the Big Ten wants to admit. If those were the exact same – teams rosters everything but you know they had Penn State on their uniforms people would say like oh these are really good teams I mean Northwestern I know Auburn was depleted but for people to say oh I knew Northwestern was going to blow out Auburn well I hope you went down and, and put some money on it because the, the spread was only four and a half Northwestern and they made Auburn look like a JV team so yeah I mean Justin Fields to me I've said it and I, I didn't back off of it at all when when he had those two bad games we're going to look back on him as the best quarterback to play at Ohio State and um you know, I, with or without last night. Now, my argument is going to be a lot easier to make with last night, and we'll see what he does against Alabama. But we're going to look back on Justin Fields as the best quarterback to come through Ohio State. I mean, Dwayne Haskins was the first Buckeye quarterback to be taken in the first round since Schleister in 1982 from the Baltimore Colts. And, you know, and Fields, is, in my opinion, would go number two overall. He's not going to do – now, I, I will fully admit I thought Dwayne Haskins was going to be a good NFL quarterback. I didn't see him being a big knucklehead like this. Fields won't be a knucklehead. He will be not only the number two pick of the draft, but I think he will flourish. And um, I think we're probably going to have a Buckeye quarterback that we can watch be a starter in the league for many, many years. 
Yeah, Schleister Haskins, uh, not exactly a magic quarterback combo in the first round <laughs> over time, but we digress. Not, not really. <laughs> um, it is, I, I do want to say also, I feel great for Justin Fields, and he's never going to come out and say this, but he has been compared to Trevor Lawrence since he's about 16 years old, and Lawrence kind of always had the last word. Trevor Lawrence is going to know for the rest of his life that his last college game, he was thoroughly outplayed by Justin Fields. It was an incredible performance all around. Give out some other kudos. Bax and I talked about Trey Sermon and the defensive line. Who else jumped out to you that you think deserves mention? Because it was a team effort now. It was not a fluke. This was an overall domination in three phases and four if you include coaching. No question about it. Um, Many guys come to mind. Jonathan Cooper. And Justin Hilliard, first and foremost, um, you know, other than just you know Tommy Togia and Caskell Garrett, just destroying the inside of Clemson's O line. That Matt Bockhorse probably wishes he never left the state of Ohio. My goodness, was he getting crushed all night? Um, and yeah, I, I thought you know, obviously Seven Banks played the game of his life, and the, the interception was just you know that was icing on the cake. He was breaking up passes, playing like I thought Seven Banks would play all year. Um, so, and then offensively, I think you got to give a lot of credit to the offensive line for blowing open holes. You know, Matt Jones in there taking Harry Miller's spot. Um, I, I was kind of, you know, frankly, I was kind of hoping they'd move Dewan Jones inside. I thought that might be the best move with Harry Miller out, Enoch Bamahi not available either. Shows you what I know. Matthew Jones got his second start, and now he both starts. He's played well because he also started against Michigan State when Josh Myers was out and Harry Miller had to play center. Um, and then Trey Sermon, of course, he deserves a ton of credit. I, I have never seen an Ohio State player improve so much from game one until now game seven. I, you know, really game six is when obviously he exploded and broke the record against Northwestern. Um, I can't believe it. He, he was not breaking tackles at all early, early in the year. He wasn't making guys miss. He was falling backwards when he'd get hit. Doing he looked all the done. Things. He looked like a guy who was done with football. Yeah, like you know, and now I now we know why he was still knocking off the rust. It wasn't just not having you know not having the typical off season. It was he was coming off where it's not like a Joe Burrow injury, but still he was coming off a, a knee injury that required surgery, um, and he was knocking off the rust. And this offensive line's gotten better as the year has gone on, but it's it's a combination of both. He he gets huge holes open for him at sometimes, and when there's not a hole there, he finds a way to get it done. Now, so. A lot of kudos to go around. Chris Alave was tremendous. Um, yeah, you mentioned the coaching. How about Ryan Day? He kept a lot in his back pocket for this game. Him, him and Kevin, quote, Ron Wilson, they saved a lot for this game. Right tight ends? We always mm-hmm. joke, are they, are they ever going to use the tight end? They will against Clemson. Don't worry. Um, yeah, man, I'm going to leave some guys out. But, uh, yeah, as you said, this was not like, hey, a couple guys stepped up. It was like, <laughs> man, I mean, you could give, like, 50 game balls out for uh, the performance we saw last night. Again, they won by 21, and it felt like it was more than that. They beat Clemson by 21, and that that kind of, you know, I felt like Clemson made it respectable by getting a, a last touchdown to, to cut it to 21. I mean, what a way to ring in 2021 with a blowout win over Clemson in the playoffs. Let's talk a little bit about the future. I'm sure we're going to break this game down ad nauseum, but your initial vibes as the fighting Nick Sabans are on the docket. I'm going to wait uh, until Sunday to worry about that. No, Um, you know, Alabama is favored and rightfully so. I do think, unlike Clemson, where I looked at the two rosters and I'm like, this is ridiculous that people are acting like Clemson is a touchdown better than Ohio State. Could Clemson win? Yes. But to me, it was a toss-up game. Uh, I looked at the rosters. I thought they were very 
very evenly matched. I do think Alabama's a better team than Ohio State. Now, can Ohio State win this game? Absolutely, they can. They play like they played last night. They're going to be national champions. The Buckeyes will. Um, this is a very good Alabama team. Their defense is not elite. Their offense certainly is. Now, if they still had Waddle, I would think the Buckeyes were really in trouble. Um, not having Waddle, they haven't had him for most of the year. Um, that helps a little bit, but still, Devontae Smith's probably going to be the first wide receiver um, to win the Heisman since a guy that whose name will, will not be mentioned here on the Bucknuts Morning 5, a guy that has to eat a lot of crow this morning and talk about how great the Buckeyes are with the initials. He didn't get it for being a receiver, though. H. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he got it for returning that kick against uh, our, our Buckeyes, but uh, he was a really good receiver. I hate to say this. That, well, you know, all, all joking aside, he was a really good receiver that year. For That was an incredible catch on the sideline. We all that, remember it. That team up north. But, um, yeah, um, Alabama, that's going to be really tough, Dan. It's going to be really tough. We all know it. Um, but um, I'm just thrilled, obviously, we, that we have this shot. I – We'll see as I break this down a little bit more. I need to like get more in-depth. I've watched a lot of Alabama this year, but I want to watch them a little bit more. Uh, I've been very impressed with them. Now, they had the game against uh, Ole Miss where they gave up a ton of points where Saban was basically saying that Kiffin knew their signals. Not that we were talking about stealing signs or anything this this whole, this whole past week, but uh, still, regardless if you think Ole Miss knew their signs or whatever, Ole Miss scored a ton of points on Alabama. Um, Alabama's very talented defensively, but um, Ohio State can get some things done there. I mean, even w- – w- before Notre Dame made it, you know, Canada was able to get a little bit going. They were still able to run the ball at certain times in that game. Um, it was never like Alabama was completely like just shutting them down from running the ball. So I think Ohio State's going to be able to move the ball offensively. We'll see what this Ohio State defense can do with Alabama's offense. Alabama's offense is tremendous. As good as Clemson's offense is, Alabama's is better. So, um, listen, the Buckeyes have more than a puncher's chance here. It's not like – What's funny is the line is already not as big as it was for Clemson. It's Alabama by seven. So <laughs> it's already, it won't be considered as much of an upset if the Buckeyes pull this off. But uh, those are my initial thoughts. It's going to be tough. But thank goodness the Buckeyes have this opportunity. Can Ohio State run the ball and can they stop the run? I think you'll know early on. I mean, if Najee Harris is leaping over tough Borland and running for 60 yards, I think they're in trouble. But sometimes it's hard to kind of quantify when you're better on the offensive and defensive line. Let's hope the same happens against Alabama. Regardless, after an incredibly tumultuous time for everybody, 2021 is off to a damn good start. Have a good one, Bucknutters.